This week's episode is brought to you by the Talk Buster podcast. Every episode, Chris Chipman and a guest reminisce of their time working for Blockbuster. Now, even if you've never worked for a Blockbuster, I guarantee you'll find the stories both hilarious and relatable. One of my personal favorite stories was when he had a guest retelling his time of working at a porn shop the day before Christmas when they were just packed to the gills. So, listen to the Talk Buster podcast on all your favorite platforms today. And welcome to Geeks with Shield, your home for all things good and nerdy in this the darkest timeline. I'm Lord Turner Ulrich, and with me as always is His Shield, brother Axel Wright. Who boy, that darkest timeline joke gets more and more prophetic day by day. Now, you out there might be hearing that Ulrich sounds a, a little different. He sounded like this in one episode before. He didn't believe me at the time, but now that after he heard the recording, he knows I'm not BSing him. Now, it's just tech issues on his side, so Ulrich's going to sound a little, little uh, deep voice this episode. Just had to cope. More so. heroic, I think, was how we described it before. Sure. Yeah, we're having tech issues, and yeah... Auric is not, he did not spec for tech. I, he specced purely in strength, and I'm not there to uh, to tech support him on site, so. <laughs> My solution of hitting it with a stick, not yielding the results I wanted. Anyway, so before we go into our thing, when we do our, our patron thing. Our patron sound off, that part of the show where we thank the people that give us money so that when I hit our tech with a stick, it actually, we can afford to fix it again. Those patrons are Pam Yally, Marky, Chris Chipman, River Galley, Krug, Reed D, Arthur Crane, Kevin Vay, Brendan Agnew, John Vinnels, Kip Kenny, and Solo Mansky. Now, if you'd like to join that illustrious legion, just head on over to patreon.com. And for just a dollar a month, you get access to all of our content early. And to my knowledge, that was two new names. So welcome, Kit. Welcome, Solomonsky. That's a crazy name. <laughs> I'm sure it's a reference <laughs> to something. So, Auric, what are we doing today? I mean, I know what we're doing today, but why don't you tell them what we're doing today? We're so, doing Boo-tober. You know, that fun holiday-themed thing we do every year around this time of year, back when Halloween was still a thing. And we're joined by a special guest. Special guest, appear from the shadows. Hello, it is I, Slagador. Also known as the one who uh, holds the whip that, that controls Ulrich. So. <laughs> She's okay, our I, producer. Well, I, the whole time, though, for your whole introduction, I'm sitting here trying not to ruin the recording by laughing. Because it really sounds like you are trying to put on the deepest, most like, <laughs> heroic voice right now. And it is so wrong. But it is so hilarious. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it or what the fuck is going on. You need to get someone who actually knows tech, like in your house, to figure out your setup, man. Because, like, all the time you try to do things that I do regularly here, and you can't get them to work for some reason, and uh, it doesn't make any sense to me. It's like it's. I think the god of technology doesn't like you. What did you do to oh, piss? I, 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 I don't like him. It makes perfect sense and people go, well, why did you start a podcast because ideally axel would be able to handle the tech stuff and i would handle everything else but that's just not how it works out because i can handle I tech stuff on i can handle the tech stuff on my end but i don't <laughs> it's hard to do it on your end so and even you know in the non on fire world we still live thousands of miles apart so it's not like we can you know record in the same room and he can try hitting things with sticks 
Anyway, so Bootober, Slagathor, that means we're doing something scary related or quote unquote scary related. <laughs> uh, I, I'm pretty sure it's a bit more horror themed. Year to year it changes depending on what we feel like doing or what, you know, scheduling allows. And so uh, in this particular episode, we I don't know whose idea it was, but it's basically a simple, hey, we're going to talk about some quote unquote horror movies that we like. I say quote unquote because I literally typed in horror movies and then anytime a movie came up I liked, I added to the list. And then when I went and looked them up, like on the INDB later, it said horror slash black comedy for like four of them. So horror is a <laughs> weird, nebulous, hard to define genre, which is its own mess of a thing, which has resulted in Slagathor angrily declaring lots of movies not horror. Not horror. <laughs> which, which I totally will accept if, like, four of the movies I've brought are not horror by her definition. That's fine. We're all at our own definitions. I just went based off what is categorized as the horror genre. So, <laughs> I guess horror is weird and it varies person to person, I think. Well, since Slagathor is our resident Geeksu Haunt host, I want to give, give the microphone over to her first for... A, I guess a proper horror movie for her to talk talk about. To me, a proper horror movie, and the one that got me when I was just a wee lass and has stuck with me growing up and everything is Nightmare on Elm Street. It is a holy shit, what the fuck just happened? You are a tiny little child. And it kind of shapes what you expect horror movies to be as you grow. Like, I know lots of, like, you would think growing up, in experiencing lots of different subcategories of horror and stuff and everything else that maybe things would change. But to me, the core of what horror is, is that deep terror that you get, the one that sticks with you, the one that, you know, when you have a windstorm outside your window, you just know it's fucking Freddy Krueger walking alongside your house, raking his little nails against the wall and stuff. It's, yeah, to me, that is the definition of horror. Yeah, I mean, that original Nightmare is legitimately terrifying. Not only because it's well-written and creepy as hell, but the shit they're able to pull off on the micro-budget they had. Oh, yeah. You know, that's Wes Craven probably at his, I don't know if his peak, but at his most, I don't know, Craven-y? So... (laughs) I don't know, I have to look it up, but that might have been his first major movie. Well, that's, if it is, well, kudos. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. It's it's kind of like how with, uh, you know, you're going to talk about that movie later. I'm not going to say. I'll say it then. But I, I will say that Nightmare on Elm Street is one of those films. Is I think, one of the earliest horror films I ever saw, too. And when it comes to – I'm not a horror fan. I've established that very – but when there are horror movies I like, I tend to like ones that are, for lack of a better term, creative. Like, I'm generally not into ones that are, like – you know, just a slasher or just a killer because it's not oh, yeah. very interesting to me. But Freddy being a, a dream demon who uses your dreams and your subconscious fears and whatnot against you in order to terrify you before he kills you makes for really great sets of rules, really great creative scenes. It oh, He's one of my favorite okay. of the classic slashers. I'll oh, jump yeah. in real quick. His first movie was Last House on the Left. Which that is a terrifying movie for a whole nether reason. Yeah, like yeah, that is some fair. deep dark exploitation horror. Yeah, I will admit I haven't completely seen any of uh any of them all the way through because just I think, you know, the very beginning with 
the abuse and shit. I I can't get past that part. I want to it's... sit down and actually finally watch the movies, but it hits me way too home, and I I can't watch it. All right, no, in the interest of up movies, for the record, we have theoretically fifteen movies to get through, so I'm just gonna keep us kind of chugging along. So good idea. Uh, so that was Nightmare on Elm Street. That was Slag Thor's first. She just wanted to mention. We all are like, yeah, Wes Craven, Nightmare Rules. Okay, Ulrich, what you got for us? Uh, interestingly enough, I'm also going with a Nightmare movie, but what I think is the best one, that's Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors, which is peak Freddy and the last one Wes Craven does before he comes back and does New Nightmare. Slag Thor's favorite in the franchise. Ew. Uh, Dream Warriors is definitely the most goofy which is probably why i really like oh, it. oh it's not the most so. goofy okay the gig is most, way okay. out there it's the, the most, most goofy of the of the good ones <laughs> yeah well yeah because i can't <laughs> say no, no, it's, it's later been, or good it's been 23 years since i watched uh dream wars but it's the one where he does the puppeteering a guy by his veins right yep Tendons, i thought i yeah, thought it was a it's one or the other, but it's really fucked up. And that's why I like this one, is it's got the... Freddy is still legitimately terrifying and deeply unsettling, but you also get the crazy kills and the one-liners. I mean, this is the one where he pulls uh, one of the victims into a TV and goes, you're on prime... Welcome to prime time, bitch, which I think is one of the most quoted Freddy lines of all time. Yeah, let's all take a moment to be a... Robert England, the original Freddy actor, is... The treasure. <laughs> he was a treasure. <laughs> yeah, no, talk about plucked out of obscurity. But this one, and I mean, it also, it, it does what a lot of horror movies kind of, you know, fail in is it gives an origin to the monster outside of, you know, what we already had. And it doesn't make him worse for it. You know, this one is the origin of Freddy is that his mother was a nun that worked in the sanitarium that got locked in with a hundred psychopaths over a long weekend. Because you both, uh, especially I mentioned your thoughts on the Slag of Thor, but generally I find that in most cases, once you try to explain a horror movie antagonist, then it, it almost always weakens them, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. To me, I a lot of the fun is having that guesswork on what made this person so terrible. And, but and a lot of times, too, though, when they try and give a backstory, they overgive just make it really simple kind of vague just enough to make our imaginations go wild but people just give way too much you know i'm not a fan of the series but i feel like um the friday the 13th one started off sticking that pretty well where it's like okay yeah he's poltergeist kid with psycho witch mother boom end of yep. backstory so yeah yeah, some of this one, it really is like, oh, I got another little piece into Freddy, but it wasn't, you know, demon worms or anything else. It's like, eh, that's just stupid. That 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 didn't add anything. This is just kind of like, oh, you know, you found something more. I mean, there is the whole, there are people that have special powers in dreams. It's like, that kind of rides the line. Is that the one where there's like the... Uh the kid in a wheelchair that becomes a wizard in his dream, right? Yep. Yeah, that's awesome. Although the way Freddy deals with him has haunted my nightmares for a while. I mean, Freddy haunted yep. my nightmares for quite a while when I was a child. Okay, anyway, let's move right along. I'm pretty sure there's going to be no more Freddy in this particular conversation, but we had to give <laughs> the man his due. So, 
So the first one I'm going to mention is just It. And I mean the pretty recent one from, what was that, 2015 or something like that? I mean, don't get me wrong, I like... 2016, 2017? It's newer than 2015, I know that much. 2017, I believe. All right, point is, it's actually pretty recent. But I, again, I that was the movie that started to get me like re-evaluate horror movies. And I feel like that one is not very scary, but still is a horror movie proper. I mean, it's adapted from what is one of the most famous horror books ever written. So, and the fact that it basically focuses on all the most interesting parts, as in when you are children dealing with an eldritch demon. So, yeah. whereas basically every time they've tried to do the adult section, it doesn't work. I thought the sequel was okay, but just okay. The first one, though, was my favorite movie of the year that, that the year it came out. So... <laughs> And Bill Skarsgård, particularly as Pennywise, again, there's there's a whole other thing with Tim Curry. Like, Tim Curry's so amazing, and I actually really love his Pennywise, but Scars, his Pennywise was fun. Skarsgård's Pennywise actually unsettled and unnerved. And the things yeah. that he could do to, that he could just naturally do to just creepify Pennywise, like with the eyes and everything else, and the way he did his, uh, way he could uh, contort his lips and stuff, I thought that really brought another thing to it. No, there's a, definitely a great degree of physical acting. I don't know. This one, like, I am legit clowns creep me the fuck out. And I don't know. It could be because of it. It could be because of poltergeist. It could be because clowns are just generally terrifying. I'll tell you this right one, now, my fear of clowns comes from Brave Little Toaster. I'm going to put that out there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Brave Little Toaster, Pee-wee's Big Adventure. There's a lot of scarring clowns in our childhood but this one didn't really move the needle for me i was really bummed about it. like it's good but i'm just like you know i expected to be more from this like i refuse to go see it in theaters because i'm like i'm not going to go see a movie about a clown in the big screen no this is not happening <laughs> i mean power to you for me i i absolutely loved it it also helps the fact that i'm just in finn wolfhard's corner really hard i like seeing him do things and his his performance in that movie is wonderful and still to this day i love his whole now i gotta kill this fucking clown so but Scar's yeah, no, really... the kid acting is great i mean they talked everything about this is great there's not i don't know this is just one of those like i i wanted more somehow i don't know what more would have been I also love the fact that I know enough about, I haven't read the book, but I know enough about what Pennywise or, you know, the deadlights, whatever you want to call it, is conceptually to have be really looking forward to, like, seeing what a proper film budget did with him. And I like the, I mean, obviously the scene where they're all watching the, the slides and he comes out of the projection. That like was actually, a great scene. Yeah, made me jump. And the whole, even before, before the, before that, when the, the slides are just flipping and he just starts looking over and the like, kid's face transforms into Pennywise's and, I don't know, sh stuff like that just really worked for me. And I, I, There were only like maybe two or three moments where I was actually scared. I am afraid of water, deep water. Uh, I have thalassophobia, straight up. And so the scene when he goes into the basement and the basement is flooded and there's the vision of his dead brother at the back and you can't see what's under the water, I was tensed up so hard in that. So, anyway... That's my thing on, on it. So, move right along. Slagathor, give us another one. Mm, all right, I guess I'll talk about something. I'll, I'll talk about Final Destination. Um, it's another... <sighs> Josh, I don't want to hear it. Give, give Slagathor her due before you comment. It was around the same time that I watched Nightmare on Elm Street, probably maybe about a year or so later. Um and it was another one of those movies that really got to me as a kid because of 
all the accidents and everything that could happen. Like, I'm an anxious person, and I was an anxious person as a kid. And seeing all those deaths and how they happened, all it did was make my anxiety go through the roof because I just knew I was going to trip on a nail and like I was going to trip and I was going to fall and there's going to be a nail on the floorboard and the nail was going to go in my eye. I was going to lose my eye or something like that happened. And to make it even worse, halfway through the movie, we had dinner and we had to sit underneath one of those ceiling fans uh, and we had it on full blast. And it was one of those ceiling fans that like doesn't sit properly in the ceiling. So it was like super rocking back and forth. And I'm watching these accident deaths on the TV and I'm trying to eat dinner, but I just know this fan is going to come down and chop my fucking head off. Even to this day, like even though I know it's a hokey pokey movie and it's stupid and whatever else, it still gets me because it, <laughs> sorry, it reacts with my anxiety and I can't. You know, you know, Slagathor, I, I'm not a fan of those movies, but I will admit that I can't get behind a truck carrying trees without nope. without visioning that kind of stuff. And Final Destination, to me, fits in the same category as Saw or The Paranormal Activity, where it's a brilliant idea. I mean, literally the idea that the Grim Reaper is out to kill you, but he doesn't do it directly, like, you know, in The Frighteners or something, he does it through rude Goldberg machines, is, mm-hmm. is a cinematic, brilliant idea. And then they just took it too far by making too many movies. So, again, same thing with Paranormal Activity and Saw, as far as I'm concerned. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a lot of it. And I don't know. It's I, I never have been able to get past the idea that death can be thwarted or that he has a kill list. Like, oh, you motherfuckers got out of, you know, no, no, it was your time. Now I'm going to set these elaborate. It, it, it was... I don't know how to do it, but it was always dumb that death you know, was the antagonist. You know why it works for me? Because death is, it's freaking death. Like, as far yes. as I'm concerned, when it comes to mythology, uh, especially Western, for lack of a better term, theology, right? Death is the only being that be, like, as old as God. Like, if God is representative of creation, death is representative of destruction. They are, like, two sides of a coin. So to me, the idea is that that death is bored, and hey, there were some people that uh, I want that I wanted. They were supposed to die in this crash, but they didn't die. So, and we have some fun with it. So that's why it works for me. I, I think that I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't get past that because this movie wants to go with the idea that death is inescapable. You, it will get you eventually. But oh wait, you got out of it, you know, and that's why it's on this one. Also, it kind of ruined the movie for me. It's like, well, it establishes you can't beat death, so obviously they don't live. I know, but that's kind of why I, looking back, why I like those movies. Because it's not a movie that, you know, that, you know, at the end, there's a happy ending and stuff. No, everybody freaking dies. And sometimes it's kind of, you don't really see that in a lot of horror movies. No, and I guess that's probably the other thing. I don't like that fake-out ending or the you-lose ending that a lot of horror movies do. It's like, no, I want the catharsis of, you know, having gone through this and going, and they beat the big bad, or they were able to, you know, outsmart it. And this one, it's just... I, 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 I don't know, Auric. I haven't seen that many horror movies, and I still feel like a vast majority of them end with everyone, or bad endings, essentially. Like, even yeah. when we talked about Nightmare on Elm Street before, it gives you a fake-out ending, where at the end... Which Freddy's Wes still around. Raven hated. That Fair was enough. put on by the studio, and that one, yeah, no. If we want to talk about circle back to Nightmare on Elm Street, I hate. No, we're that not. Movie. We're moving <laughs> forward. Uh, 
All right, moving forward, past Final Destination. <laughs> Ulrich, give us... So Final Destination, goofy, but fun, and also will feed into your anxiety. So. Yes. <laughs> All right, Ulrich, give us another one. Uh, I'm going to go with one which we talked about, I think not at length, but pretty decently last year when we did the uh, director SmackDown for James Wan, and that's The Conjuring. And mm-hmm. I debated back and forth, like, do I want to talk about The Conjuring or The Conjuring 2? Because they both have their strengths... But which one do I want to talk about more? And The Conjuring yeah, the con- is the right. better. Yeah, sorry. I'm going to let you have your do your thing before I say my thing. <laughs> There's not much to say. Like I said, we talked about this at length last year. And I think The Conjuring ended up winning overall, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I'm pretty sure and- it did. But I was just going to say that the thing with The Conjuring versus The Conjuring 2 is that there's nothing really extremely uncomfortable in the conjuring one like there is in the conjuring two in regards to i made this apparent but i hate that the conjuring two seems to be kind of going out of its way to be like here's how these people in reality can be not full of shit whereas the conjuring one is more like just a straight haunted house movie so yeah and it's a really good haunted house movie in that it kind of goes along and it's like first question why don't you you know move if there's this house is haunted and it's like well there's 20 of us and where are we going to go and it's like oh yeah that, that's a good point and it's also really great in james wan style of building tension the whole like this movie hits the ground running but it's not out and out scares as much as it is kind of unsettling little things in the background and slow tension you're like i know there's a ghost and i want the ghost to hurry up and do ghost stuff so i can just get over being waiting on the ghost stuff. And this movie makes two hands coming out of the dark and clapping. Just shit your pants terrifying. I guess. I mean, I don't really remember too much from The Conjuring. And like I said, I, I, now I'm so aware every time I use that phrase now. Damn. <laughs> but all I really remember is, is like the tree scenes and the people hanging from the tree, which is the poster. And I remember the stuff with the basement, kind of. But... I got I got so upset with The Conjuring 2 that like, that took up more of my brain space. Slagathor, what's your thoughts on The Conjuring? Um, it was spooky when I first watched it. It was uh, like Ulrich had said, you know, there was tension and stuff in it. Um, but it's one of those movies on rewatch. I just kind of sit there kind of half bored because I don't feel anything for it on rewatches. It was a good first time and that was it. All right. See, this is interesting, and this is kind of what I want to do. This is, I think, this is going to, when this is all said and done, will be an interesting view into what we like in horror movies. And slightly, I've had this conversation. I love the tension-filled, drawn-out kind of sparse horse, and she wants to see the bodies, and I want to see the mythology. Apparently, based on what you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I got going on. Because moving on from the Conjuring. The next movie I'm going to mention is Alien, ah. which is straight up a haunted movie or a haunted house movie, but in space with a spaceship instead of a house and an alien instead of a ghost. But it works so well. Horror mixed in. Yeah. I, I love the fact that the basic premise of Alien is such that, you know, there's this creature that's completely black and moves so silently. And it's just I love that it's just this one creature in the ship with a small group of people that got to try to track. I mean, the, the second that the, the thing shows up, the most famous like scene of the chest burster is already unsettling. And then from that point forward, now you're just watching it grow and pick them off one by one. And it does that thing where you don't really see it fully until near the very end. So you just see 
you know, little, little bits of it as people get picked off and the music is all, man, music is such a big thing with, with horror movies, I think, and establishing that kind of tension, that feeling and these audio work in alien is I think second to none when it comes to this kind of emotive feeling. And of course, Sigourney Weaver is just so rootable for in almost anything. And this is, you know, the role that she's a sci-fi queen for a reason. So yeah, it makes me sad that basically every alien movie after this doesn't do, I shouldn't say it doesn't do the same thing, but it's like, cause aliens is great, but aliens is definitely not a horror movie by any metric. It's a, it's an action movie and no other alien feel like really hits the same kind of scary also awesome as i talk about like i'm into mythology like the fact that the alien seems to be this artificial being maybe from the whole what's going on with the you know the abandoned ship and stuff there's just so much mystery and mythology there that's fascinating to me and no other movie i in that whole franchise seems to get that same kind of engagement and also unnervingness the one time i've the, the, the few times they've tried, they ended up just being, I don't know, too much. Like They fall into the trap of over-explaining your baddie, which is uh, Prometheus and whatever that next one was. They, yeah, but I meant, I meant you know, like how – my mind goes to how AVP Requiem just went out of its way to be gross and and dark and you can't see anything half the time and just uninteresting, which is – We don't talk off. about that movie here. I'd like to forget that existed. Yeah. It's just a good example to me of how to. Oh yeah, no, you go overboard, right? So. No, it really is weird that they were never able to take the concept of an all-black rape monster that with acid blood, <laughs> and they couldn't duplicate. It. You laugh, but that is exactly what the alien is. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> right down. Well, Slag, what, what are your what are your thoughts on on Alien? Uh, I absolutely love it. Like, I think it's a great, uh, it's definitely not a horror. I, but I would say probably the time that it did come out, you know, it was pretty scary for people. And I guess, you know, depending on your age and your kind of, I guess, like mental state for scary things, it could have very well been scary for you. But I saw Alien for the first time when I was a teenager and I saw it on sci-fi and I thought, I don't know. I I love it. I think it's a great little action thing. I agree. Sigourney Weaver is awesome. Get away from her, you bitch, or whatever. Like, I fucking love that shit. Lots of aliens, but... (laughs) Oh, well, I know, but a lot of things run together. I think she just called you out as a little bitch, too, by the way. (laughs) Say, oh, you're scared of alien pleb. That's not at all what it was. Jesus. It's okay. He's not a big horror movie guy. Yeah, but also everyone has different triggers, right? Like, example, my ex was terrified of dinosaurs. I don't find dinosaurs scary. And, like, I have no problem with any of the Jurassic Park movies, but she couldn't watch Jurassic Park because she had nightmares of T-Rexes when she was young. It just depends on what your, you know... theory, dinosaurs should be terrifying, but they're not. They're cool. Whereas me, in my case, because I'm so afraid of water, I end up getting really scared in movies during scenes that are supposed to not be scary at all. I remember watching Life of Pi, and there's this scene that's supposed to be awe-inspiring, where it zooms out, you see this whale go underneath the ship, and I'm just clenched in the chair, like, terrified of that. So, you know, it just, people with different things. Anyway, Hi. Alien's awesome. <laughs> Give us another one, Sagathor. <laughs> yep, so looking at my list, it seems to me like I'm just going 
based on it started out from when I was young and worked on the way up. And the next one on the list, which I can talk a lot about, and I know that Chance Axel, sorry, cut that out. Axel also likes, and we can gang up on Ulrich about it, and it's dead silence. Yeah, Ulrich. It's so stupid. Prepare. I hate it so much. It's like he'll get the mic right now. (laughs) Yeah, uh uh-huh, give me the mic. Okay, so yes, it is stupid. I will admit, it is stupid. But, I don't know, there's something, because I am... It's fun. Sorry. Yes, no, it is. It is fun, and the but is it is all it also hits me because I'm terrified of dolls, terrified. And so this movie, no matter how many times I've watched it, I and no matter what you know, I always I have this thing that we kind of call my amnesia, where like I can watch a movie thousands of times, but. The next time I go to watch it, I'll completely forget what the frick happened in the movie. So a lot real, of the times real, I'm real quick, Slackathor, sorry. It's just this is the first movie we're talking about that I feel like is not actually that well known. So just real quick for anyone listening who didn't listen to our James Wan SmackDown. Dead Silence is like the first movie that James Wan did. It's about essentially a, a ventriloquist dummy that when it's in your house, it creates a situation where all the sound just disappears. And then it tries to scare you somehow. And if you don't make a sound, you're fine. But if you do make a sound, it rips out your tongue and kills you. That's the basic premise of Dead Silence. Yeah. And it takes place in this creepy town and uh, and in this, you know, destroyed or abandoned um, theater and stuff like that. Like, it's got, it has a lot of good creepy moments. Especially if you watch the... Like, I love to watch the unrated director's cut and stuff because it adds a lot of stuff towards the end. And also, it has an ending that I adore. I, I, oh. I, I, I actually didn't see it coming, but I did see something coming, and I realized what was about to happen about, I don't know, 20 seconds before it happened, which is the exact time I think you want to realize a, a thing's about to happen. So, I don't know, I was just impressed by it. So. Yeah, no, there was... Uh... I don't know. You you go ahead and talk about it. I, I kind of have goosebumps. I'm kind of sitting here reminiscing about it. <laughs> so I mentioned with Alien that I think sound is actually far more important than almost anything when it comes to a horror movie. Like, because if you took, I don't know, if you took The Shining and put in goofy bubblegum music behind it, I feel like it would rob a lot of its power. But oh, yeah. so the fact that Dead Silence is built around this conceit of you of when silence happens that means something is about to happen so whether you realize it or not after the second time that this occurs your ears start picking like paying very close attention to background sound and then you like become very hyper aware when all the background sound falls away which then makes you start really honing in on what's happening there's like this one sequence where uh he's looking in like a basement and before he gets to like he sees a uh i forgot what the term is but like a door to the under like the crawl space of the mm-hmm. house and he sees the door and right there i realized that all the background sound disappeared like clocks and shit just all gone which meant oh okay now something's about to happen so i'm not gonna go into detail about what he finds in the crawl space but it made that whole scene just way more tense because now your your brain's keyed into this this kind of this thing happens which makes everything every the the tension and the tone feels so much more powerful and again i don't think this is actually necessarily a good movie it the acting's pretty poor and the 
everything, the effects and whatnot are all kind of weird. There's especially a CG tongue thing that happens at one point. It's oh, pretty yeah. goofy, but yeah. it's just the audio cues uh, allow me to overcome a lot of that. It's fun. It's ridiculous. It actually is really unnerving in a lot of good spots. And the ending from a narrative. Anyway, so that works out really well for me. <laughs> this yeah, movie no. is so dumb. All right. You can't just say that. Why? Okay. So, in theory, the whole absence of sound, queuing up, building tension, that should be great. That should work. But, like I said in our SmackDown, this movie takes two separate plots and smashes them together and just keeps smashing until they form two different plots that don't make sense. And then you get to the end where it's like, ta-da! And you're just left going, no, that's stupid. That's dumb. That doesn't make sense. None of this Correct. makes sense. Correction. You were left thinking that. We were left thinking, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. I don't want to spoil how this movie ends, but the end is so... Mm, Here, we can agree that no... We can agree that no one in this in this call thinks that it's a mediocre movie. We have very strong feelings one or the other, which means that it's worth your time if you're listening to this. Especially because it it's not, not a very well known your time. It is unique. It's not like a lot of other things, especially the ending. Just give it a chance. Don't listen to Ulrich. Let's move on. Ulrich, what's your Boo. next? <laughs> <laughs> Still mad about that dumb movie that you've made. I've watched it twice. Too bad you're out. Too bad you're outvoted, or give us a new movie. <laughs> Stupid movie. Stupid. Anyways, I'm gonna go with one of a great cult classic with a great ending and great everything. Oh, the Evil Dead. I mean, he's not wrong. The Evil Dead <laughs> classic. <laughs> I know a lot of people default to you know the Evil Dead two. Well, because Army of Darkness is amazing, and, and yes. Evil Dead 2, which builds up to it more directly. Because Evil Dead 2 does a lot of the same Evil Dead 1 stuff, but with Raimi being more, like, I don't know, seasoned, I guess? Like, I'm one of those people that thinks Evil Dead 2 is better, personally, but... I know! I Everyone does. I am in the camp of I love the Evil Dead, and a lot of it is probably because they made this movie with the intention of being the most terrifying, horrifying movie imaginable but they had no budget and it kind of comes off as goofy for the record if i had to give like my top five favorite directors of all time sam raimi is for sure in that list so you know props yeah. in general anyways but then you get things like you look at and you go they did this on a tiny budget and it looks so good like the scene where Ash puts his hand through the mirror. How though? I still don't know how the hell they pulled that one off. And then was... when you go and you read about like all the behind the scenes stuff and how they were, you know, trying to keep the camera from freezing up and everyone was cold and miserable and they went through like 30 extras because people got tired of being there and Sam Raimi was just, you know, flying by his little bootstraps. I will say that Sam Raimi's camera angles, particularly his camera movements, that there's the correction. I feel like contribute a lot to the actual horror of his horror scenes yeah, there's something called, very uh, rainy vision is what the yeah. is what his term is for it and you know what it's excellent and it really i think it enhances what he's trying to go for also usually is very good with makeup I, I know it's a very simple thing but his deadites are always legitimately creepy so and here's the thing 
this movie has some legitimately creepy ass scenes when uh ash's sister is down in the cellar and she stabs the other girl through the ankle that not only looks real but it's also just like oh good god and again remember they're doing this on a two-string budget you also gotta give props to uh bruce campbell willing just to let sam remy beat the living shit out of him for most of the movie yeah so it adds a real physicality to it all right slagathor it weigh in here uh i i'm just gonna say i don't have much to say about the first one because i've only seen it once i was introduced to the whole series from the second one um and i fell in love with the second one because it was campy and goofy and funny and all sorts of other things that we all know it is and then i think it wasn't until i had probably met ulrich that i watched the first one so i was a Do bit you more remember un- the story of the first first time you saw the first one because that's a good story i don't know Oh, okay. I'll let you go and then I'll tell it because it's funny as hell. Well, I was just going to say that, you know, I can appreciate it for what it is. You know, I I know all the crap that they, that they went through to make the movie. I, I can see all the good points in it. To me, it just doesn't do much for me because, I don't know, I it just doesn't resonate with me like it does with you, you guys and stuff. But I can still sit here and appreciate it. So that's all I got to say. All right. Quick story time. So, Slagathor was getting her very first tattoo, and we're all set up, and our tattoo artist's husband comes in, and he looks like, put on Evil Dead. And Slagathor goes, what's Evil Dead? I've never seen that. And he's like, oh, you're in for a treat. By the way, are you okay with tree rape? And Slagathor going, what? What? And then the movie just, she was a literal captive audience for Evil Dead the first time. Wow. Oh, yeah, he leads with tree rape. What am I supposed to think? <laughs> oh, I know. I just I still have that distinct memory. This look on her face, going, "What the hell kind of movie is this?" And then the <laughs> scene comes, and she's like, "I, I, did, I don't, I don't have words." That that was legitimately a tree raping a woman. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That uh, I don't want to end Evil Dead <laughs> on what is the most uncomfortable scene in that movie, but. We need to move on here, so <laughs> I want to talk about a movie that I know for a fact I wouldn't qualify necessarily as a horror movie, but it has horror listed in its genres. It's definitely more of a black comedy homage to horror movies, but any excuse to talk about Cabin in the Woods, and I'm going to take it. So, Okay, let, let's reiterate which Cabin in the Woods, because there are different movies out there that are horror-themed that are called Cabin in the Woods. We're talking Joss Whedon, Cabin in the Woods. Though. Yeah, the yes, only one that anyone cares about. Hey, yeah. I had to, I just had to make sure our audience knew, because like I said, there's there's tons of them out there. So. so I still get the impression that Cabin in the Woods is in this weird space where plenty of people know about it, but not enough people know about it. So if you're listening to this... Cabin in the Woods is basically, in some senses, a giant homage to, like, every horror movie ever, where the basic premise is a bunch of kids, uh, including a, you know, pretty young Chris. I think it actually came out the same year as The Avengers, now I think about it. But anyway, a, a uh, you know, Chris Hemsworth's in it and a few other important people. But they all go to this Cabin in the Woods. They're, like, college-age students. And bad things start happening. And at the at the beginning, it's zombies. I'm going to be straight up. It's It's redneck murder zombies, essentially. Think, like... Texas Chainsaw Massacre if he was undead. And the the thing that makes this movie interesting is that while this is going on, you keep getting glimpses of this, these people in like a control room that seem to be making the horror stuff happen for some reason. 
and they have cameras all over the cabin and they're watching the kids and you see every horror trope like of course the girl who shows her tits is the first one to die you know mm-hmm. things like that but the the movie is I feel like it's not taking the piss as much as it is lovingly being like, hey, here's every horror trope we can think of, and here's how they might work in this world. Now, I'm going to spoil the big thing because this is the main reason to watch this movie, which is at the end, or not at the end, when the third act starts, and there's only a couple of the kids left alive, they find an elevator in the middle of the woods that takes them into the facility where the other people are, and they proceed to find this, like giant prison of cells like cube cells and each one contains a different horror movie monster from like a little ballerina girl with a teeth face to what is very obviously a hellraiser-esque uh hell lord to a man bat creature to a big molesting tree like they're all there and then they all get let out and it is wonderful and ridiculous. And while there is plenty of creepy imagery, this is far more of a like send-up and a celebration of horror as a genre. And I think if you haven't seen it, you owe it to yourself to see it. Okay, I have yeah. to say, hey, I'm talking. I have to, <laughs> I have to say, when you said that you were going to spoil, and um, and one of the main reasons to watch this movie, I immediately in my head, Death by Unicorn came up. <laughs> yep. At one point, a unicorn kills a person. It, I, and another uh, point, a, mer- a mermaid kills the yeah, person. The mermaid yep. still watch, haunts me. Watch this terrible. movie. Come on. Yeah. yeah. It, it's great. No, this is one of those ones. Like, I remember the first time we watched it because everyone's like, you gotta watch Cabin in the Woods. You gotta watch Cabin in the Woods. And I told Slugger, hey, we gotta watch Cabin in the Woods. And she said, well, what is it about? I said, I have no clue. Everyone won't shut up about it. Let's just watch it. We started watching going, Okay, does this feel really kind of mediocre to you? And it's like, yeah. And then the reveal happens. You're like, oh, that's interesting. And then the second act kicks into the third act. And you're like, oh, fuck yeah. Okay, here we go. And there's yeah, still one more reveal now. that I and there's still one more reveal that I definitely will not spoil. But just know that just because nope. I spoiled that reveal, there is still another thing that happens that I won't spoil that is a mystery I'll leave for you. Watch this movie, you haven't seen it. If you have seen it, watch it again. It deserves it. <laughs> Yep, this it's one, one that we watch every Halloween. Yeah, this one feels like it could have been an awesome Netflix series because your potential is limitless. Yeah, I will say that uh, the, the, the Hellraiser S demon, I went on the wiki later, and he does have a name, and it is Fornicus, the Lord of Bondage and Pain. So <laughs> <laughs> I found my new internet t- handle. <laughs> Yeah. And he's got, and for anyone who hasn't seen him, he's got a, basically a buzzsaw-like blade sticking out of his head, and he has a little puzzle box. Or it's, it's a puzzle sphere, but he's totally a Hellraiser reference. But I just, I saw that name, and it's wonderful. And of course, you've probably seen, even if you haven't seen the movie, you've seen the memes, especially this year, you, the meme of the guy in front of the whiteboard with a bunch of stuff on it, <laughs> saying like, all right, who who called for, that comes from this movie. Anyway, yeah. I can talk about Kevin in the Woods forever, we don't have time. It's awesome. Slagathor, give us your next one. <laughs> All right. My very last movie and on my list now. is... Uh, what are you saying? You have two. You said your last No, one I don't. Two. Yes, you do. All right. Tell us which yeah. one you Oh, say. I'm so sorry. I, <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't reading. Okay. So the next one is going to be The Grudge. 
I talk about this movie in depth with Chris Chipman on my podcast, uh, Geeks Who Haunt, if you want to get a more in-depth conversation on it and such. But it was one of those movies, and it's still one of those movies that there's certain parts in it that still scare me. Real real quick, real quick, Sagathor, before you go on, because I never actually watched The Grudge or The Ring or Ringu or any of these things. So I know I know the basic premise of The Ring. What actually is the premise of The Grudge? So it's um, it all kind of happens. It starts in a Tokyo house, but um, there was a murder that happened there. And based on that murder, a deep kind of rage and hatred formed and one of the ghosts Kyoko uh she continues to haunt people that come into the house and it just kind of leeches on to each person that enters the home and finds different and creative ways to kill you um and it's all about Sarah Michelle Geller um she's a social worker she goes there to help the an elderly woman and she kind of gets entrapped in this whole um, mystery of what the hell happened, what's going on, why am I being haunted by this? And right, it's, it's Buffy. Buffy's fighting the ghost. It's awesome. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's also one of the reasons why I like this movie so much because I love Sarah Michelle Geller and it, she does such a great job. And first time watching it, God, I was scared shitless and just rewatching it recently so I could do an episode on it and stuff. It was still entertaining to watch for me to watch. Um the scares weren't as as bad. Like I didn't feel like the tension in my chest of the of just knowing something is gonna happen. It only happened once in a hallway in a not hallway but a stairwell. And I, I don't like that scene at all. But it's it's got a lot of creeps to it. It's the Japanese that Asia really know how to do their uh, ghost horror. For anyone who hasn't heard of Junji Ito and likes horror manga, you should look up a Junji Ito. Anyway, Ulrich, what are your thoughts on The Grudge? I've never seen it. Uh, it is still legitimately unsettling. And, you know, because we recently rewatched it. No, they do a lot with a little. Like, there are uh, parts. Sam like, part of it. Yeah, he's the producer for this. Yeah, I had to throw that in there. Yeah, no, the first time I watched this when came out, this movie was just fucking creep me the hell out. And watching it here recently, it's like, it still creeps me the hell out, even though you can kind of see some of the budget restraints and there's still some flaws. But it is still such a good, good horror movie that it works despite all that. Also because it doesn't, uh, unlike the second one and the proceeding ones it doesn't go too into the lore it just gives you enough to go oh shit well that happened okay yeah this is uh, very much bootstraps horror like yep. here's your monster here's your location here are your players and go it doesn't yep. really have there's no must there's no fuss it's very lean and it's very very fucking creepy largely because it uses types of horror that we as a western audience aren't exposed to yep so, yeah, definitely give it a watch. Definitely. All right, Ulrich, what's up? Uh, I'm going to do... Well, this is one I legitimately love. And I, I still have fond memories of this one. And it's Oculus. I remember I, I drug you to the theater to see this one because you had no interest in this one. Mm. But this is... 
we'll start with the best page. This is Karen Gillan before Doctor Who. Like, this is before she's really taken off. And directed by uh, Mike Flanagan. You know, Hill House. What else is that? He's on a hot streak. And it's movie. The whole movie is about fucking with your perception of reality. In that there may or may not be an evil mirror. And the whole movie is about ratcheting up tension and making you going, is the mere evil or are these people crazy? Yeah. And we went and saw this in theaters and I loved it and we bought it and I've watched it multiple times and I still love it because this movie is my bread and butter horror of it's very tension driven. Yes, it is. It is. It has a lot of tension in it. Um, You don't really know who is right, whether it's the brother and the sister like either they're crazy and you know their father really was just a crazy murderer or you know this mirror is truly in fact um evil and it thrives off of sucking people into its evilness and making them kill um and does it really have the power to protect itself like can it really like if you go to attack it does it really you know make you hit the wall instead of it like yeah. yeah no this movie but the first two-thirds of it is just you know going it could be real or they could be crazy and hey what was that you saw out of the corner of your eye was that something or was that nothing until you're in it and then it's like all right here's where we're going now enjoy and again this is a lot like the grudge in that it's very bootstraps in that tiny budget and it's very much here's your monster here's your characters here's your setting and go and it's a great movie if you don't if you're not a big gore person. Like this is a very clean movie in terms of gore being very limited, but mm-hmm. most of the horror coming from stuff you just barely see out of the corner of your eye and just ratcheting that tension up inch by inch by inch until you're just ready to break. Yep. Never saw it, so I can't comment. <laughs> oh, you gotta see this one. I think you would like this one. This one isn't too scary i don't feel like it's gonna upset your delicate sensibilities again or it's not about sensibilities it's about that (laughs) generally i'm only interested in horror movies and i'm interested in a mythology behind whatever the horror thing is with a few exceptions and i don't know uh the fact that it sounds to me your description of oculus reminds me actually of something like the shining where there's an argument to be made that is he actually haunted by the hotel or is he just drunk and crazy i know that apparently uh, Dr. Sleep makes that a lot less ambiguous, but, you know, and I don't know, it's just less interesting sounding to me, but I haven't seen it, so I can't say. Yep. No, it's one of those ones that they really could have made a bunch of spinoffs and sequels, considering it may, it was made on a micro budget and made pretty good money, and, you know, gone into, and this is the origin of the mirror, and this is where it first came up, and here's all these things. But no, it's just like, this is our story, we're going to tell it, our story is done, and off we go, and that's it, it ends. Yep. Well, anyway, so the next movie I'm going to talk about is actually one of the exceptions to what I just said, a movie where the source of horror is not a mythological thing at all, is just a guy, and that is 10 Cloverfield Lane, which is actually the last movie ah. that Slagathor, Ulrich, and I all went to see in theaters together. So that's yeah. how long it's been. So Yeah, and this is one of those ones I don't think I would have gone to see in theater if there was any, like, we weren't just in, you guys weren't in town. It's like, yeah, let's go see something, and this has good reviews. Yeah, and I honestly didn't know what to expect. All I knew is that Mary Elizabeth Winstead was in it, who I have a huge crush on, and John that Goodman explains it. 
and John Goodman was in it, who I've always loved John Goodman. And the yeah. real funny thing is that John Goodman's an actor who, up to that point in my life, I associated with, I don't know how to say this in any other way, but Santa Claus-like lovability. You know? He's like, America's uh, uncle. Yeah. That's and how then, and then this movie comes along to be like, actually, we're going to show you how freaking terrifying John Goodman can be because uh, part of being a big guy is being a big guy. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. And the point of this movie, again, if you haven't seen it, is that there's Mary Elizabeth Winstead gets run off the road and she wakes up in this bomb shelter, essentially, in this guy's backyard, John Goodman's backyard. He, uh, he says that he saw her run off the road and he picked her up and he was taking her to the hospital when essentially the apocalypse happened. What exactly is the apocalypse? He's pretty vague on the details and they leave it very open for most of the movie about whether or not anything actually happened or not. But that's not the point. Because once you actually find out, that's not interesting. The, the real interesting thing that happens is that she is stuck in this bomb shelter with this guy and one other guy who helped build the bomb shelter who the John Goodman character didn't even want to let in but he managed to basically push his way in. And it's this small space. It's like, I don't know, it's the size of like a, a two-bedroom house. And not even house, but like a two-bedroom apartment. Like, it, it is I'd tiny. I'd smaller than that. It's, it's not very It's big. just like a little bunker. Yeah. And he, the John Goodman character, starts off seeing like, he's off, but not anything too bad. He just, you get the feeling that maybe he's not very social. And then they're just little things. Like, when they're playing a board game and he starts losing, and the way he reacts to it, and with all the physicality he has you just really okay this guy's unstable and we are literally trapped in this tiny tiny location and then things just start ramping up and getting more uncomfortable and more like okay don't set this guy off we don't know what he's capable of and then there starts being hints that there's more going on than like i'm going to spoil this bit they have to fix or the mayless winstead character has to fix like the air recycler and she's the only one small enough to fit in there. And as she's fixing it, she finds a window to the outside and scratched into the window is help me. Now, where that comes from, I'm not telling you. But the point is that it adds this whole other level of, did that is that on the outside? Is that on the inside? Did did he have someone trapped in here before? What what's going on? And then and then the movie in the last act goes insane. And it's just one of the most uncomfortable I've ever been in a, a theater, like ever. Yeah, it's a great micro-budget horror. It was really, it was very entertaining. Like, I thought it was going to be, like, um, the Cloverfield movie. That's why I... That's what they wanted. Huh? That's what they wanted. That's why they gave it the naming convention they did. Well, that's why I didn't necessarily want to see it. Like, because I didn't like Cloverfield. But I was so pleasantly surprised to go in and this was the movie. It was so much better. Yeah, no, Again, this is, I think we kind of talked about, you know, the last few, at least, you know, our number two choices here have all been the same thing of these are very small focused horror movies in that we have our monster, we have our location, and we have our characters, and go. And John Goodman's terrifying because he's a big dude, and you very quickly realize, like, they can't do anything to stop him if he wants to do something. Yeah, that, that's one of the big, definitely, fears, is that they are under this person's control, and there's, like, not anything they can do about it. And I, I bring this up as an, this is an exception to my general rule, because there's no mythology behind this guy. He's just a guy who maybe might be unhinged. After that, I've come to view this one way, now seeing him in this way, it's, 
It's terrifying. And of course, I'm naturally inclined to root for Mary Elizabeth Winstead in any role she's in, so I want to see her get out of that alive, you know? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that ta- that's that's Tank Lorefield Lane. Let's move on to our... I, we weren't really counting down necessarily, but let's go to our final choices. Slackathor. All right. My final choice this time uh, is Ginger Snaps. Um, it's it's kind of indie-ish, I, I think. Um, well, I really It's definitely don't... an indie. Like, it, was, I... it wasn't produced by a major studio, and it was produced on a small budget. Yeah, but I don't know. It's it's definitely not horror. It I I really don't know what to classify it as, but it's labeled it's... as horror. What's the premise? Because I don't know anything about Ginger Snaps other than the name, and I know that it has a cult following and that it really didn't do well at the box office, unfortunately. <laughs> So there's two sisters that are kind of, you know, the outcasts of school and stuff. They're really weird. They're weird because they're like 16 and 17, 15, 16, um, but they haven't received their periods yet. Um, So part of their whole thing is, you know, if they ever actually become women, you know, they're going to kill themselves and all sorts of other angsty teenage stuff. And one night they're out and everything and ginger gets bit by this dog type of thing and she slowly starts becoming a bit you know a bit more unstable uh becomes a bit more womanly because she finally gets her period um you know guys are taking notice of her she's taking notice of guys um and her sister doesn't like that because it's just not ginger and why is ginger acting like this um and she becomes a werewolf and then it's all about um let's save ginger and it's entertaining. Yeah. And if you can't tell, I'll spell out what the movie does. It's a metaphor for becoming a woman through the lens of a werewolf movie, which yep. I think, as you know, guys being like, yeah, yeah, they do become monsters once a month. Okay, that tracks. That makes sense. Oh, God. Well, you know, it's funny. A lot of the best original horror movie monsters were in a metaphor for something so that that tracks with like classic horror so see this is where axel and i are at a severe disadvantage is this is a cult movie specifically because women watch this and go wow this is a really great metaphor for that exact experience and we as guys are like i don't know what the hell's going on but i feel like i shouldn't be here right now i don't makes me interested because i love seeing perspectives that aren't my own and i love werewolves so already slagathor's got me more interested than any of the marketing ever did i guess it's considered one of the best werewolf movies of all time and i gotta give it i'm not a huge fan of it but it is a unique take on an overused monster yeah um it's got Catherine isabel playing ginger and emily perkins playing playing bridget her sister um and emily perkins husband is the director yeah, it's a very small budget, but it I don't I know, really it's pretty know. fucking gory. It's they do they do a lot with uh caro syrup and red food dye. And I mean, come on, okay, so the big draw in for men in this one and stuff is, you know, Catherine as ginger. She's a sexy ass lady and she gets all like sexied up and stuff in this movie. Not to be <laughs> I have well, it's true, she is. Come on. <laughs> She's right. one of my lady crushes. It's not a subtle movie by any stretch of the imagination, 
Like that's why I give it credit for that. Is it very loudly declares this is a movie about menstruation and werewolves, and you're going to watch it. And you're like, okay, I'll watch it. Don't yell at me. <laughs> I will say, doing a quick uh, Google image search of what the creature looks like, and uh, this is pretty cool. So, yeah, like, it's not bad, not comparatively. God, no, I just think it was. A movie that, you know, people went and going, all right, a werewolf movie, and came up going, I need to call my mother. <laughs> that is actually, an, what's cool is that looking at this werewolf design, it is extremely unsettling, but that looks like it definitely pulled inspiration specifically from American Werewolf in London, because it looks like a more uh, uncomfortable version of that same monster design, which is cool, because, you know, American Werewolf in London is awesome. Yeah. No. No, this is uh, definitely one the first time I watched it. I was just on a like a werewolf movie binge and I watched it and it's like, the hell did I put on? And then years later I'm at Slagathor and she's like, oh, that's my favorite movie. I'm like, well, let's watch it again because I missed something the first time. And second time through, I'm like, oh, I get what's going on here. Okay. Teenage Ulrich did not know what's going on. But yeah, no, okay. Now I understand. <laughs> I like that. I like that your top pick is a movie that, as far as I can tell, again is not actually very well known. It has a cult following, but you know, if we're here basically trying to be like, "Hey, here are some movies you should go watch," I think it's cool to have them be movies that you know should have the attention that they don't have. You know, exactly. All right. Well, that uh, you have any since it's your last pick, you have any concluding thoughts on Ginger Snaps before we move on? No. Go watch it. She's sexy. Go watch. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Auric. People are going to go into that movie very confused about what to expect. That's just like, oh, well, what's this Ginger Snaps movie? Or Apparently like, it's real sexy. Or they're going to be like, huh, so this is what Slagathor, uh, what she's into. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> they're not wrong. <laughs> anyway, Auric? Uh, I feel like I have talked about my number one a lot on the podcast, and I do have to issue a redaction, but I'm talking about The Thing. Previously, when I've talked about the thing, I've talked about it as my mother sat me down and introduced me to this, like, you need to watch this movie. And originally I said it's because she had a crush on Kurt Russell. She has since scolded me for that claim, saying she did not have a crush on Kurt Russell. She just likes him because he's married to Goldie Hawn. And the reason she watched this movie was because it made her think of Vincent Price movies. Either way, this is one of her all-time favorite horror movies and is one of my favorite all-time horror movies as well. So... John Carpenter. Redaction out of the way. John <laughs> Carpenter. Fucking Kurt Russell. Fucking Keith David. Fucking Wolford Brimley. Uh, who else is in this? There's a fuck ton of really great actors in this movie playing hairy men trapped in Antarctica fight monster. You know, I just got done saying, like, hey, you were talking about movies that aren't that well-known, then you have to bring up The Thing, which is easily one of the most well-celebrated horror movies ever, but fairly so. The thing is awesome. Well, interestingly enough, it was not well-reviewed. It did not do well financially. People were not here for this movie. So I don't know when the cult following came about, but this is one of those movies I have distinct memories of my mom saying, come here, you need to watch this movie, The Thing. I'm not telling you what it was about. I'm going, I don't, okay, this is, you know, bearded men in Antarctica. What's the big deal? And then the scene where the husky transforms and me going, oh, good God, what is this movie? For and anyone out there who so somehow, dense. for anyone out there who somehow doesn't know what the plot of the thing is, there is basically a group of people up. Is it in Antarctica or? Yeah, they're in Antarctica. They're a research station in Antarctica. 
And yeah. there's a there's no beating around the bush here. It's an alien. I mean, maybe it's something, but it's just it's an alien thing that can transform into anything, yep. literally anything else. So the whole movie is just anything anywhere might be this thing, and it it likes to kill people. <laughs> so well, it's trying to escape is the big thing. Like it wants out, and. It doesn't really care how it achieves that goal. And the easiest way for that to do it is, you know, to kill and duplicate the people that are there. And it really plays off this building paranoia of it could be anyone. And how do you know? And who can you trust? And hey, you just threw around a corner five minutes ago and came back. Where were you? Are you the thing? Maybe I should kill you. Also, the practical effects in this are amazing. Also, fun fact, if you speak, I want to say Norwegian... The yep. entire plot is spoiled in the first scene. So, yep. <laughs> but that's a whole nother. It's just a fun little bit. So, <laughs> no, I don't know. Like, this, I'll give you the same pitch that Stegathor did, but the opposite. It's a bunch of sexy bearded men hanging out, you know, down in the ice. This is Kurt Russell at his prime. This is Keith <laughs> David in his prime. This is Wilford Brimley. But they are accompanied by they are accompanied by possibly the most anti-sexy movie monster ever constructed, other than maybe the Fly. Because the thing is Cronenberg horror, truly. So. Oh, yeah, this is some serious body horror. And, I mean, you've all seen the scenes with the CPR or the head. The head still haunts my dreams. But no, it doesn't, know. It's a head with spider legs. And it screeches. It screeches inhumanly. Because the only way you can really kill the thing is with fire. And... This is just a whole movie about ratcheting up that tension of, okay, who is the thing? Who can I trust? Is he the thing? Followed by, it's the thing! Everyone panic! And then resetting that tension again of going, oh, well, he's dead, and obviously he was the thing, but now we're back to, you know, square one of, okay, but where's the thing now? And the way this movie ends, I should hate it, but I really love the ending of this movie. Because yeah. it really is, it's, a, it's, the, it's the ending this movie needs. We are not going to say anything more about that. But Slagathor, thoughts on the thing? I hate it. It's a boring movie. <laughs> All right. She gets payback for the dead silence conversation. <laughs> she doesn't like John Carpenter. She hates one of my favorite movies. This is the first time I showed her uh, They Live. I, like, I, was say, I was about to say, I love They Live a lot more than The Thing, personally, but that's because They Live is going in a very different kind of direction. I, th- I respect I The Thing more than I actually like it, but... No, anyway. she does not like Carpenter. I, I love Carpenter. I love The Thing. I tried to show her uh, They Live, and she walked out during the best scene of the movie, which is the big fight. Like, I feel like the big fight. She hates the There is a 14-minute fight. It's <laughs> awesome. I still hear it in my head when I watch that scene. Why are they still fighting? Why won't he just put on the glasses? This is stupid. Just put on the goddamn glasses and quit fighting already. Anyway, so Slagathor, you think <laughs> the thing is boring. I'm guessing you like, think it's slow or? I don't know. It's just not my cup of tea. I think it's stupid. It's boring. I don't find anything about it interesting. The only thing I didn't like was the spider head. But that's because it looks like a fucking spider and I hate spiders. But that's the only thing. I think the thing is antithetical to your type of whore, though. And to be it's fair, a... that's that's kind of a, a statement that we've been really playing around with recently, where it's like, you can think a movie is really bad for you while still respecting the craft that went into it. Because I yeah. personally think that uh, 
that's true with with Ulrich and Scott Pilgrim, where it's like you. I think you can't deny how much crap went in that movie, but I also totally understand why it's so anti Ulrich. So I think maybe the thing might be feeling the same thing here for Slagathor. Yeah. Okay. I I I appreciate that. Eh, cat cat tail mouth. Uh, that that they went out of their way to make all the all the stuff like everything was good but uh they should have just kept it's, it fighting it's a slow burn movie and that's not your deal it's very tension driven and that's not your deal and hey, i want tension but has to be right and yeah. this was not right this was this was stupid it was not tension but it's got Kurt Russell and his sexy Kurt Russell beard. He's not sexy. He, I don't know what I'm the sorry, is with the women. Ron and everybody else out there that thinks he's sexy, but he is not sexy. He is just gross. <laughs> women in my life hating Kurt Russell. Oh, Kurt so Russell, if you're listening, no, I 100% on your side. I will abandon my wife and mother to be with you. Sure That's the beard. Is. Pretty sure Kurt Russell will be more interested in her finding him attractive than you finding him attractive. Whatever, we can form the ultimate super pack of beard power. (laughs) Anyway, do you have any final thoughts on the thing before we move on? This movie is fucking awesome, and I'm still really mixed on the remake, which we may talk about sometime, but not today. All right, so here's the thing about my picks. I didn't go and try to be like, my top five favorite horror movies because my brain doesn't really like i love listing things but i was worried i was not gonna even have top five favorite horror movies and if i was really doing this to be like a top five favorite i'd probably throw phantasm in here for example but i didn't want to go back and rewatch it to talk about it better or i i'd probably have nightmare on elm street here but i knew that slagathor was going to talk about it so i just did five movies that i want to talk about that being said my final pick is my favorite horror movie, period. <laughs> and it's also the newest movie that any one of us are talking about, and that's Underwater, which came out this year, 2020. Like, early this year, like January, but still. Oh, so, is that the one with uh, Kristen Stewart? Yes. Yes, okay. I, so, I'm there. So, again, I am terrified of the ocean and rivers and lakes so the fact that I even went in to watch a movie titled Underwater, whose premise, because based on the box office, you listening probably didn't see it. The premise is that there is a group of miners at the bottom of the Marianas Trench, the deepest part of the ocean, period, where no light comes through and where the pressure from the water is so high that you would be instantly like crushed into nothingness if you were, went out of the, the mining facility. So they're down there, an earthquake happens, and... Part of the facility breaks, so now they have to go to a like the seven of them that managed that are left behind from like all the escape pods. There are no escape pods left, so they have to get to a different part of the facility, which involves going down deeper to like the actual bottom of the trench, and then walking about a mile across the trench's seafloor to get to another facility. And already that alone had me like, ha, ah. and then. It turns out that there is something in the water that shouldn't be there that is stalking them. And that's where it turns into more of a straight-up horror movie. Like, up, up to that point, it's just kind of like a thriller. Like, all right, you know, if we don't get out of here, the water's going to crush us to death. Like, okay, like, that's just like kind of an action movie. But then when the thing starts stalking them, then it's more of a straight horror movie. Especially because it, they're out, like, nothing larger than an amoeba, like, should be 
moving around in this environment and it's this huge like it's like this nine foot tall i don't know how to explain it it looks kind of like a demogorgon but with actual like eyes and (laughs) so anyway point is i don't know (laughs) what possessed me to go see this in theaters when i'm so terrified of of underwater thing but and i I didn't know the ending the reason i'm talking about this now is because i was really into it and then the ending happened and it became like my favorite movie of the year and has yet to change (laughs) <laughs> but I didn't know that going in. It's not like with Mother where someone spoiled it for me beforehand and then she gave me a reason to go see it and then I loved it. I didn't know what Underwater was going to turn into. And then I turned into it and I was like amazed in my chair. So just from a horror movie perspective, right? Like it's it's pretty good because you've got a group of people that are very easily to relate to. Kirsten Stewart is actually doing an amazing job of like being a relatable, like kind of vulnerable, but also strong character. Actually reminds me a lot of Sigourney Weaver and Alien with roles she's she's doing. The creature itself is creepy as hell and you never get a really good look at it because again, there's no light at the bottom of the trench. Uh, hey, oh man, I, okay. I'm going to spoil the big thing because this is a movie that not enough people saw. And I feel like this is a thing where it's like, if I tell you this, this, if anything, is a reason to go see this. Because at the end of the movie, this creature, it turns out, is not the only one. There's actually, like, a bunch of them. And the thing that they're attached to is itself alive. And it's a giant monster that is Cthulhu. There's no getting around this. It is just straight up a live-action interpretation of Cthulhu. And it is awesome. The the directors come out post- and be like, was it Cthulhu? Like, yeah, I thought I made that obvious. That is 100% Cthulhu. Here is me saying it is Cthulhu. You're welcome. <laughs> so, like, I had never before seen in a live-action movie an interpretation, of, like a, a depiction of Cthulhu outside of one really, really bad, stupid kind of religious movie that came out, like, 12 years ago. We're not going to talk about that. The point is, to me, this was like, I didn't know this was an eldritch movie. And then I'm sitting there in the theaters like, that's, that's fucking Cthulhu. And I was... Like, I was that excited, and then I just wanted to talk about it with so many people. And for months, I was like, I can't tell you, you gotta go see it. And then people didn't see it, so now I'm like, I'm gonna spoil this for you, so you have a reason to go fucking see this movie. So, <laughs> yeah, I knew about Cthulhu before I even watched it. It made it, it didn't really do anything for me because I didn't know anything about the movie, I just knew Cthulhu was at the end, and that was enough for me to watch it. No, this is a really cool movie. Because it feels very much like it's riffing on Alien. The clean, you know, white corridors, our badass female heroine, um, the fact you don't see the monster. I'm going to actually watch it because according to the director, it's supposed to be a riff on Alice in Wonderland. Huh. I have to go back and watch it with that in mind. Yeah, that's what I'm curious. Like, I didn't see that, so I'm I definitely saw the Alien thing, though. Alien is like stamped there on it, which is kind of cool because we talked about earlier. Is like, why was no one ever able to do you know Alien again? And here is Alien again. And also, the bottom of the Mariana's Trench, way more dangerous in my opinion than space. So yeah, oh, that you're, environment. You're doing the same thing. Like uh, this is a place that wants nothing to do with us, and yet here we are, yep. trying to you know exist. Anyway, so my, my only final thoughts on Underwater is that it it's also, it's very short. It's like less than 90 minutes long, so it doesn't overstay its welcome. This is a, a like, no bullshit, no frills, just good 
tension horror movie with a good creepy monster, a good a great terrifying environment, pretty strong characters. TJ Miller's in it, but he he did it before we all decided to cancel TJ Miller. He's actually pretty enjoyable in it. And then at the end, it goes full Eldritch, and I I adore this movie. So it deserves far more than it's gotten so far. I agree. I mean, come on, it's we're we're living through the end of the world. What else are you gonna watch? <laughs> Anyway, so that brings us to the end. We've uh, there are fifteen horror movies, and that, and if you haven't seen some of them, well, we here at the Geeks with Shields are recommending you go see them. So <laughs> exactly. And it's at this point that we hand it over to our guest, in this case, Slagathor. And while she is the producer of Geeks with Shields, she does she has her own thing as well. So feel free to plug any specific thing you want to plug. So I kind of did. Earlier, when I talked about The Grudge, I kind of gave a sneak peek that for season three, that is coming up uh, to be determined. There will be a teaser letting everybody know when I'm coming back, whatever. That um, part of season three, I am talking in depth on all four of The Grudge movies with Chris Chipman from The Chipman Brothers, yada yada. I'm sure you've heard of him by now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I talk about all things horror and whether that be 80 percent you know horror movies uh i do talk about other things that delve into horror so if you have any interest in listening to things like that you can find me on all the exact same platforms that you find geeks with shields all right well slagathor thank you very much for coming on yes I mean, this is kind of as far as i'm concerned in our group of uh of warriors this is your domain so it was only appropriate we bring you on for this so oh thank you now, now, normally, at this time, each one of us would give a suggestion of the week. But funny thing about this one, Ulrich put his suggestion down. And then I was like, I'm going to do the same thing, because it deserves it. And then Slagathor was like, I'm also going to do the same thing, so it deserves it. So all three of us here are going to say, go watch Cobra Kai. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yes. the fact that this languished on YouTube for as long as it did is criminal. You know, I remember I saw the season one when it first came out, and I recommended it here on on, uh, on the podcast. And I remember at the time you hadn't seen it yet, Ulrich. So now when I saw you listed, I was like, yes, finally. <laughs> well, I wasn't going to pay for YouTube to binge the season. I didn't want to go through the hassle. Like, I, I know it's good, but my brain was literally, is it that good? And then it showed up on Netflix. It's like, you know what? Let's watch it. And yeah, it, it's that good. For anyone yes, who somehow. So Sorry, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. All right, just real quick, for anyone who somehow doesn't know what we're talking about, you know what The Karate Kid is, right? A movie from the 1984 like, about Daniel-san learning the, the crane kick and wax on, wax off. Well, <laughs> Cobra Kai is literally 36 years later, so 2018 is when it starts, and it follows Johnny, who was the, the quote-unquote bully from, from Karate Kid. And he's down on his luck. Daniel San is owns a successful car dealership and is basically using his fame as the the Karate Kid in universe to succeed. So Johnny decides to op- reopen up the Cobra Kai dojo when he saves this kid who lives across from him, Miguel, from some bullies, and then Miguel's his first student. And the series follows not only Johnny trying to, you know teach these kids Cobra Kai, but Daniel trying to destroy Cobra Kai. And th- there, that's the whole premise. But it's two seasons of amazing. So, Yes. I will say, 
because I don't want to. We we don't want to spoil anything for anybody. But Johnny, I love that he continues to grow and learn from his continued mistakes, and it creates such a love hate relationship. Like you know that you shouldn't like him because he's Cobra Kai, but you can't help it. And the things that happened, like after we got done watching season two and stuff, I just sat there and I was like. No, this is bullshit. Season three shouldn't have just been, you know, greenlit. It should have already been done. I want a season three right now. <laughs> yes, exact. I felt exactly the same way, just what she said. And one of the things I think is so amazing with the show is this show is one of the best examples, in my opinion, of gray areas. There's yes. no one who is, like, really good. or re- There's one character who's straight up bad, but I'm not going to go into – that's a whole – he. They serve a very specific purpose, but other than him, like, Johnny, our protagonist, is a good guy, but also a piece of shit, and Daniel, who is our, like, actual protagonist from the movies, is also kind of a a, a close-minded dick when it comes to Johnny, and, and I love the fact that, like, everyone is good and bad here, so. Yeah, no, this is an incredible show, and... We kind of talked about it, and we decided that we're going to go over to Patreon and record a whole review, spoilers and all, for our patrons to talk about it, because we kind of need to. But for now, it's on Netflix, both seasons. Watch it. Just just watch it. It's 20 episodes. It's like 22 minutes an episode, so it's not exceptionally long. I binged all of season two in a day. Just just, just watch it. It deserves your attention. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, that brings us to the end. We'd like to thank you for listening. Be sure to like, share, subscribe, do whatever it is the specific algorithm that you're listening to us, you know, demands, because that is literally how podcasts live and die, especially in the ever-growing number of podcasts, that sharing becomes that much more important. And whatever platform you're listening to us on, well, we're there, obviously, and thank you for doing that. But if somehow you're not aware that we're on these other platforms. We're on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Podcast, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. I don't know how all those work. Like, even though I'm the tech guy, Aura Candle's that side of, of things, really. And But if one of those is easier for you, now you know. And if there's another podcast site or platform that would be easier for you, then let us know what it is. I know, for instance, I listened to like the dollop on Podbay. I don't know if we looked into that, but tell us which ones, which platforms you use, and we'll look into it. As always, this has been Lord Commander Ulrich. And his shield brother, Axel Wright. Be sure to tune in next time, and as always, stay honorable.